Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, King Bob! King Bob! You know, that doesn't work as well on this one. (laughs) Tell me more while I change your name. Do not change my name. Don't keep going. You have to change your okay. I will accept this for this episode if you change yours to auto. You got it. <laughs> All right, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, tonight Mark and I are getting together and we are reviewing the new Minions movie. Minions The Rise of Gru, set in Mark's favorite time period. Yeah, buddy. Jungle Star- boogie. Round, round. Starring some, of Mark's, starring some of Mark's favorite people. Um, you- <laughs> Hashtag black folks. Um, your vehicle win free. I'll take you set anywhere in Mark's, you want to go. Set in Mark's third favorite city. <laughs> Detroit? Detroit's not your third favorite city, and you know it. I can't remember what city is this set in. San Francisco. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's my third favorite. Baltimore is my favorite. Then we, we know then, that. Then Nolans, then Las Vegas. Um, yeah, maybe top you five. You have an actual <laughs> ranking. Of major I approve. I approve. I appreciate that. Okay, everyone's hey, hey. favorite. Oh, everyone's favorite outdoor toilet in 2022, <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah, yes, everyone's favorite outdoor homeless shelter. Um, your vehicle win free. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Um, your vehicle win free. And I'm sure you know, you know that I love you, love you, need you, need you, got to have your love. Great God in heaven, you know I love Robert Winfrey, yeah. And this is why Marcus Otto. (laughs) (laughs) Banana! All right, so Mark, we were always going to talk about this one, but... Yeah, we were. You and I had an interesting discussion around the first Minions movie a few years back. Let's do this. No, no, and and don't be my wife and misremember things or reframe them so that you come out looking, you know, all shiny. Here's what happened. I said, you know, Pixar is like zillion dollar studio with these great, wonderful billion dollar properties and resonant films puts out Inside Out, which made me ugly cry. And was deeply emotionally resonant. And I thought, there's no possible way this gets beat by... (laughs) It can't possibly get beat by the side project. Like the... the, uh, What is it called? Help me here. When they... uh, The offshoot. Um, Spinoff. Thank you. Spinoff. It can't possibly be beat by the spinoff of the Despicable Me movies. And... You were like, but it will. Like everybody's aunt on Facebook knows what minions are. <laughs> this is gonna make it. This is gonna end up beating it. And I'm like, there's no possible way. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way the Secret Life of Pets people, you know, are are gonna be the Pixar people. 
and they did. And I ate crow, and I and I and we spent some time kind of discussing it and processing my depression over it. Yeah, that but, really got to you for a little I, bit. Then. All you were year, like, <clears throat> I was like, I'm done I don't with humanity. <laughs> you, you, you took my gimmick. Like, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Yeah, I, I, but I had to. Me- I mean, like, well, one of the things we mentioned about that was not only do these things have broad-based market appeal globally mm-hmm. because they're the freaking minions, right? The style of film that they have is easily transferable to any language anywhere in the world, right? And anyone so, can watch. So, in a head-to-head competition, I was like, "There's no way Illumination beats Pixar," and I was wrong. And I accepted that. I whined about it at first. I was like, "I don't want to live on this planet anymore," I, but I got past it, and, hey, hey, and we moved you, on. You want to know how flat how flat a circle time is? Mm-hmm. Illumination's beating Pixar again this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but that's the thing. You're like. You're like, oh my god! And Mark's gonna throw himself on the no, floor. No, no, no! And, and, and like, I <laughs> and like tear his clothes asunder. I'm like, no, a nothing. I I did not. I was not convinced. Lightyear. I, at one point, I thought just because it's a Toy Story spinoff, I thought Lightyear was gonna be okay. But then when I saw what it was, I'm like, no, I can be led to believe this isn't. Gonna, I mean, I didn't think it was going to bomb, and we'll get to that later. But I knew that in a head-to-head competition between Pixar. In Illumination, Lightyear versus Minions, The Rise of Gru. There was no way, no way that I, was I led to believe that Lightyear was going to beat it. So when you were like, oh, my God, you're going to cry when, when Minions beats it again. I'm like, I'm not, though. No, like, no, no. Like, this uh, is a completely I, different set of circumstances. In fairness, my thing was, I hope this thing, I hope this makes $2 billion, becomes the highest grossing movie of all time, <laughs> and just makes James Cameron cry. <laughs> yeah, later on in the year we do like a year-end wrap-up, and somehow Minions, The Rise of Groot, and Top Gun Maverick both beat the the way of the water, and, you know. And James Cameron just throws himself off, you know. This year, oh, I, I'm pretty sure they're both going to. Like I, I've said this before, man. I, I don't think Way of Water's. I'm not saying it's going to bomb. I think that mm-hmm. might be a bridge too far, but I don't think it's going to be gangbusters. Just again, just kind of a hunch I've got. No, I don't. Look, I think at one point I was just sort of, oh, everything's going to make a billion dollars. It's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Then you you were reminded that we live in a world that is post unknown virus of unspecified (laughs) origin. Yeah. um, With all of the things we've documented, I don't want I don't want to waste time getting into all that again. Every show we do, we we talk about it. So people, any show you've listened to the past two years, you know why things are the way they are. Um, But. So I think at one point I was like, oh, if it's Star Wars, if it's Marvel, if it's if, it, if it's Avatar, it makes a billion dollars. But when I had to, when I when I really had to take a look at it and scrutinize and drill down into the marketplace and realize that the world had, if you just look at what made Avatar so successful, it was people were transported to a world that they were attracted to and they wanted to live in that world and therefore they saw that movie several times. That's that is the only way. Movies make that much money, um, at, at least in years past. Mo- it has to lend itself to multiple. Still viewings. is, it, it, yeah. yeah. You still it, need the multiple need, viewing things. Absolutely. Yeah, you need basically the two legs on the stool of most importance are worldwide distribution, so China, um, and then the other thing is uh, second and third viewings. That's why Endgame made as much money as it did. There were people who saw that movie three and four times. Yeah. Um, one, that culture may have died. <laughs> people are not going yeah. to the, other than maybe Top Gun Maverick people were not going to see movies multiple times anymore you see it once and they go I'll wait for it to come on streaming to see it again yeah I mean even like Godzilla versus Kong which was day and date on HBO Max 
I went to the theater to go see it because I wanted to see it on the big screen. And then I went oh, home yeah. and I and I watched it on HBO Max. Like I didn't like I watched it multiple times, but only at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's gonna take away from Avatar 2's bottom line. The second thing, um, that was 20 odd years ago. Give and uh special effects have you know CGI have gotten more commonplace. It is not it is not the visual spectacle it used to be. There right. is not the same gap that used to exist between what that movie was doing and what everything else was doing contemporarily right. versus now. So when you think about the spectacle of creating a world that is so rich and beautiful and vibrant as they did in Avatar, um, that's Marvel now does it. Marvel does it three times a year. Yeah, it's commonplace. There's no reason you, there is. You can escape to multiple places now if, if that's what you need to get through your day to day. And then the third thing is Avatar is a 20-year-old property with other than the theme parks, absolutely almost no uh, greater far-reaching IP. Like It almost had no cultural footprint outside of right. that, that, like, you know, you had, like, the year it came out and the year after, and that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you, you know, if you want to know if a movie is going to be a cultural touchstone, talk to, talk to your kids. Talk to elementary to junior high age kids you know they're tapped into the culture they have opinions they have interests um and you know they're they're they're, the, they're kind of what's happening right now and say to them what are you into if they don't say avatar yeah it's not making a billion dollars it's just not because the only because the only reason why top gun maverick became the cultural touchstone that it was is that found all the men the battered beaten men <laughs> it's just scattered the, about the, the landscape of Hollywood. The the utterly neglected <laughs> just fifty percent of the marketplace. Yeah, the, the cisgendered, taking care of their families, adult men, straight men. You know that Hollywood does. Well, it's Top Gun. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's Top Gun. It's not that straight. I'm not gonna argue with you. My point is the the, <laughs> the neglected right. the neglected fifty percent of your audience. It's it found all of them and their sons, and they were like, "Come, let us remind you that you are loved." And you and know, they and we were. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm -hmm. Before we get to minutes, because this is going to be a fairly slight review. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but just for a brief second, and I, I bring this up to you because you have a son. Mm -hmm. What was the last, apart from Top Gun Maverick, mm -hmm. what was the last movie that was just like a guy's movie you could share with your son that came out in theaters? Um, as of today, it would be A-Team. Yeah, but that's, you know, a, God, that's almost, a, that's about a 10-ish year old movie more. Do you know that that's actually one of the first movie reviews I ever did? I experimented on doing YouTube reviews um, back around the time that my daughter was born, so 2011. And uh, that it was that one up and uh, Sex in the City 2 I did reviews for. And then I'm like, it just uh, YouTube was not usable <laughs> back in 2011 for what I was doing with it. So I, I gave it up um, and then I went and I, I went into just doing audio. But yeah, I was doing uh, I, I did a handful of movie reviews on YouTube that are about 10 minutes long because at that time they capped you at 10 minutes. YouTube you had a limit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that had a ten minute limit on videos. But yes, I showed uh, I showed a the A team to my son today, and my pitch I to him he had a good time. My pitch to him was, "You will believe a tank can fly," and he was like, "I have to see this movie," 
And he got to the tank flying scene and was like, I'll redone now because that's the greatest thing I've ever seen and there's nothing that's going to top it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, go back and play your Switch, sir. Um, but okay. uh, again, like I mean that in all sincerity. That mm-hmm. That's a whole subgenre of, and it's, again, that's like a subclassification of movies, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, the PG to PG-13 action movie that fathers right. and sons can share together. And yeah, that's so at, that's at pretty much I, been dead for the last yeah. like handful well, of years. Apart, you from... have to you have to go back to the eighties. Like you got to go to the Schwarzenegger era and be like, let's go watch Commando or let's go watch Predator or something. And I don't even know if any of those are PG thirteen. I'd have to look. I, I, those I, are I both barely... R. Oh, are they oh, Commandos? Are really? Wow. Okay. Um, no, there's no boobies in Commando, so you know he'd just be seeing people. Uh, there he's... are actually. Oh, they're in Commando. Gosh, Briefly, it's been yeah. so long. Anyway, yeah, when he, he when he kills um when he kills Bill Duke, okay, they bust in they bust through the hotel wall to that other couple. That's uh, well, I've shown him I've shown him all the Fast and the Furious movies. Those are all PG thirteen. Those are those are guy movies. I would say ish. Okay, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you an ish on that. But uh, yeah, it's just they like like the Marvel formula has kind of, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that to be, that's not me dumping on Marvel. Let me be very clear about that. When I say yeah. the Marvel formula in this instance, that's not me going Marvel is the worst, but the Marvel schedule and formula has kind of subsumed that entire subgenre. Yeah. It's, it's the thing you can safely take your kids to. Um, if you're looking for something of the action variety, uh, so that the DC films are 50, 50. I mean, for every Shazam, you have a, utterly depressing justice league or something um you say that yeah. like shazam wasn't depressing shut up um, <laughs> this is a joyful movie go shut your face um anyway so dovetailing this back into minions all of that to say that i was fully aware and prepared and accepting of the fact that this movie was going to be very very good i would like to just begin this discussion though with going back to the first movie because i re-listened to our review for those of you keeping score, Robert and I reviewed the first movie back in, I think, 2015. Yep. It was on our Blog Talk Radio account. That show has now been re-aired in conjunction with this release on W2M and our Spreaker account. So you can go back. Wherein, and... wherein I make one of my more disastrous predictions. <laughs> Trump will never be president. The, the, we reviewed that, <laughs> in fairness to me, a couple of things. One, mm-hmm. we reviewed that like a couple, like very shortly after he had announced his candidacy. He yeah. said, I'm going to run for the nomination. And we all went, sure, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if we review that movie a month later, I, I do not say that line. Yeah, no, <laughs> Just of course. for the record. Look, I, I can't pick at you. Both of us have made wildly inaccurate predictions on yeah. in the course of the 10 years we've been doing this. It's not, I can't I mean, this beat year, you up over this it. I have to beat I, myself I, up. I mean, look, this year I, I said, I kind of think Maverick will bomb. And I was horribly wrong about that. But I'm happy to be wrong about that one, yeah. more or less. Apart from the fact that it'll get Miles Teller more work. <laughs> so he's been so much. You have no idea. Um, I, no, no, no. I do. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the first movie for just a moment. Yeah. Not too long because we got to actually get into this review. We're like 15 minutes in now. But you and I had a really interesting discussion because and, and you say on that podcast and I want to repeat it here for you. We don't talk about your religious uh predilections and convictions on this show this is not the place for that it comes up occasionally it has come up on tv parties but it come but you don't bang your shoe or a bible on the pulpit and start yelling and screaming about your religious beliefs you 
they inform your decision making and some of your opinions, but it's always in relation to the content we're examining. And I bring that up because You're welcome. It... <laughs> You're that's not just boy. you, that's everyone. Because we, <laughs> let's face it, we all listen to some of those podcasts where that is that where you go there to be preached at irrespective of what the subject material is allegedly right you're going to metaphorical church yeah one way or the other you're a good boy um so the first minions movie is about the search for god essentially that's where we that's where we landed with more or less um yeah i i'm pushing through this so people understand why i brought this up but i very much enjoyed the first movie like going into it i was like this is going to be dumb as shit um you know because it's the minions and it's you know again it's it's the thing that ends up on the meme that your aunt puts on facebook and i'm like there's no f- fucking way this movie's <laughs> gonna have any weight to it it's gonna be just dick and fart jokes for 90 minutes you know for for the kids and the adults to laugh at and i'm gonna want to like kill myself on the podcast and then i watched it and i and i could not have been more wrong the, the movie is about the search for god the search for you know the search for a meaningful life and you have these you have this culture of savages essentially trying to figure out what they're going to do and who they're going to do it for to give their life meaning and that made me enjoy the movie so much more sure it's funny king bob um darn right yeah (laughs) there's hilarious little bits in there it's it's a very well-written movie but because it had such emotional and spiritual heft to it i gave it the credence it deserves uh, against its immediate pre- its immediate competition, Inside Out. So going into Minions: The Rise of Gru, I was like, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I hope they maintain that cultural spiritual heft. I hope this movie is about something. It's not. No, <laughs> it's not as good as the first one. I was very disappointed. That's not saying it's not a bad. It's not saying it's a bad movie or that I didn't enjoy it. It's just, gosh, guys, you, you had like. Pixar level of spiritual insight in your first Minions movie, and you managed to combine it with laugh out loud dick humor. Well, golf clap. Well, <clears throat> well done. And then we get to this one, and it's like, oh, well, no one's really here for the discussion of you know what is the meaning of life. They just want to see the dick joke. So, yeah, Minions so, too. Rise of the dick joke. Let me let me do the plot real fast here, and then I want to yeah. address that because I think you're correct. Go ahead. So the plot of this picks up not long after the first movie. The minions are helping Gru. He's building his first lair. Well, one of the other characters, he is a fan of a supervillain supergroup, the Vicious Six. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for not doing alliteration. So, so much. (laughs) Also, would one million percent pay to watch a a Vicious Six movie before a Sinister Six movie, Sony? You suck. (laughs) Morbius is going to Morbi. It's Morbin time. <laughs> it certainly is, Ollie. Uh, they kick out their founding member, Wild Knuckles, the great Alan Arkin. <laughs> He's great in this, for the record. He really is. He's very, 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 very good voice work. Uh, and Gru, being a fan, auditions to fill his place in the super group. This goes poorly because he is a small child. Uh, in revenge for being humiliated by Taraji P. Henson, he steals their mystic artifact that gives them power at the Chinese New Year. So they chase him. Hilarity ensues as ownership of this particular artifact is passed around. Gru gets kidnapped by Wild Knuckles, who wants the stone as well, now that he's out of the group. Uh, the three may... The, well, there's 
four minions that we follow primarily. We follow the original three from the first one, Kevin Stewart and Bob. And they bring along with them Otto. Now, midway through their kind of the, almost the inciting incident, Kevin Stewart and Bob decide, okay, we have to go to San Francisco. We have to save Miniboss. Otto sees the guy who has the stone mm-hmm. on a bike, uh, on a motorcycle as he takes off, and he gets on a big wheel and chases after him. This is the other reason Mark is Otto. He would, in fact, <laughs> chase someone on a big wheel. <laughs> Come back here. So that, and what we wind up having is three kind of loosely intersecting narratives here. We have Kevin Stewart and Bob as they learn Kung Fu from Michelle Yao as they try to figure out how to rescue Gru. Gru becomes a bit closer with Wild Knuckles, helps him out, learns some tricks of villainy. Uh, Wild Knuckles finds a little bit of what he was looking for in his life. And Otto goes on Otto's magical journey, big wheeling through Death Valley. He has been picked up by the guy he's chasing because the guy he's chasing is a good human being like yeah sure you can have this thing that come on let's go you know, i'll give you a ride out of here i know you're going to san francisco it's on my way i'll drop you off this will be great we'll have a road trip yes this is riding in cars with minions pretty much <laughs> everything converges new year's eve or chinese new year san francisco the vicious six reobtain the stone they become super powered they depower the minions but turn them into animals <laughs> which i laughed <laughs> There's, this is a very slight movie. I laughed so hard throughout mm. this entire thing. This is funny. It is okay to laugh at things that are funny. Not everything has to have a deeper meaning. It, it, it's true. Uh, there's a big fight scene at the end. The mm-hmm. villains are all turned into rats because I believe the year in question was, in fact, the year of the rat in the Chinese Zodiac. Uh, they're all carted off. Wild Knuckles fakes his own death to avoid prosecution for his many, <laughs> many crimes. Uh, and Groove uh, is further inspired to become a minion, uh, to become a villain, as the minions all sing, you can't always get what you want, in their bizarre little language. <laughs> their little pigeon language. I love their language, because you, if you know enough other languages, you can tell what languages they're drawing from. There's a I, bunch, it, of, it, Portu- it, There's a bunch say, of Portuguese in there. Well, I was going to say, it, I hear a lot of French, and so it almost sounds like a, like a, like a pigeon creole. Yeah, there's some of that. So that mm-hmm. that's kind of the movie. It's 90-ish minutes. It's not – there's not a lot of – but so before I get into the stuff that I laughed at, because there was a lot, <laughs> the the entire Despicable Me franchise, up to and including the first Minions movie, uh, they all had an emotional core to them. And it does, again, we're not necessarily talking ugly crying like, you know, Coco. Oh, which just – but. My face still hurts from Coco. <laughs> yeah, like just ruined me. <laughs> so we don't get that, but there is an emotional resonance to all three of the Despicable Me movies. Now, yeah. the, each one will hit differently for you as an individual, depending on your life experience and whatnot. But they're all there, and they're all—it's all clearly being taken into account with you know, the writing and the production and everything. And even the minions, you know, there is something to that journey of, like, again, finding meaning in life. This one does not have that. And it's, you can see a couple of points when they're kind of hinting at it, they're kind of nibbling around the edges of, you know, what does it mean to be an older, an older man in the world mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, trying to find connection with, you know, uh, so there's a little bit of that, but it's, 
uh, it's not nearly as for as forward in the writing process as the as every other Despicable Me movie was. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite a, it's not just a Looney Tunes movie. You know, it's not just a series of loosely connected skits. Mm-hmm. But the writing never really co- uh, achieves a bit of co- a degree of cohesion around the disparate narratives. They just kind of happen. The emotional core is not quite there. And what ultimately what we're left with is solid voice work from everyone involved. It's not a bad performance vocally. Mm-hmm. And whether or not the antics amused you. Like that that's kind of the pass fail thing for this movie in particular. My wife point my wife pointed out there's a scene in which one of the minions is deep throating ice cream. That's true. <laughs> Something Fort- there for everybody. Fortunately, <laughs> I Personally, yeah, I laughed. Like that mm-hmm. whole scene where they fly the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I desperately wanted that to be set to sabotage, like it is in the trailer. I I would have thrown something. The fact that it's actually <laughs> set to the Blue Danube is so much better. <laughs> like I I, I I legitimately mean that. That's a great callback to like Looney Tunes style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, their training montage. Mm-hmm. Those of you who don't know, I do assist teaching at the karate school school that I attend. And I'm watching those three characters, and they all have three distinct personalities as they're trying to train. And I go, I know one of you, I know one of you, I know one of you. (laughs) Has has one kid grabbed another kid and tried to smash his head into a block of wood? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Uh, Children are grand. Aren't they just, yeah. So that whole training montage is hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as someone who has very, when I first started training, I, I was a kid, you know, every, every kid takes karate. As someone who has been hit by the heavy bag, because mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention to it, <laughs> the, the Fred knocking around Stuart as he's <laughs> trying to hit it with that hammer. Just, yeah, I felt that. <laughs> uh, the bit where they revealed that Kevin's head is indestructible. Like, <laughs> Yes, that was good. Or that was Kevin Bob. It was Bob. That was, yeah, that was very wily Coyote. Yeah, there's a lot of great humor in this movie, and mm-hmm. that's kind of all this thing has going for it, as we talked about. But you know, sometimes that's all the brief needs to be, and this one absolutely. I had a I had a great time watching this. I laughed uh, the entire final battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when when Stewart in the chicken form, and I could just I, as soon as he became the rooster, uh, yeah, the chicken, like, mm-hmm. well, if I was still using Clucky as often as I should, <laughs> that's the picture I'd be going with. You gotta, you gotta bring it back now. You gotta bring it back, baby. Bring it back. Yeah, uh, there's it, restri- there's restrictions on images I can use now that weren't there before. So. Oh, okay, Illumination um, is really the the studio to beat right now. It has surpassed Pixar. It surpassed DreamWorks a long time ago. Right now, and, you know, and, and Blue Sky's gone. Uh, some of the other ones got eaten up by some of the slightly bigger ones, and then they got eaten up by the bigger ones. So really, it's a three-man race now between, you know, at least in America, between Illumination, which if you're like, who does what now? Illumination is Despicable Me, Minion, Sing, uh, Secret Life of Pets. And DreamWorks is How to Train Your Dragon, um, Ice Age, well, well, Ice Age was Blue Disney. Sky. Yeah, Ice Age. Hang, hang, let me look up DreamWorks Animation real fast. If we can get that. Um, Shrek, that's DreamWorks. So like Puss in Boots yeah. later in the year, that's DreamWorks. And then we all know what Pixar and Disney. Uh, they're doing they're doing uh 
the Paws of Fury, right? Yep. No, I don't. Maybe. <laughs> have to look. Let me look. It looks like uh, their style is why I bring it up. Yeah. So for a while, it was a it was a race between Pixar and DreamWorks. Um, DreamWorks had big uh, big results with Shrek uh, and some other ones. The Madagascar that was DreamWorks. How to Train Your Dragon, like I said. Uh, they had a, a uh, okay. Fair... Hang on, I, I have the list here for those of you potentially okay. interested. Go. Uh, they did the bad guys earlier this year. Yes. Uh, they have Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. No, they're not doing um, Pause of Fury. They are doing Trolls Three next year, though. Yes, and Trolls, despite. Um, oh, Boss Baby is theirs. As is the yeah. Broods would be the other yep. two. Yep. So all of that to say that. Um... You know, for a while there, it was a neck and neck race between DreamWorks and Pixar. And it was like, you know, Pixar was like the prestige sort of Tiffany studio, but they made a billion dollars with Tiffany. Well, you've got, well, nowadays you've got Disney Pixar kind of merged together. And yeah, it's when kind Disney, of a... when Disney does animated stuff, uh, it mm -hmm. does tend to hit big at the moment. So I was going to say Disney is having a better track record than Pixar is. When you think about Encanto, uh, Encanto had a second yeah. life. Yeah. Like, its theatrical release was in November. I don't want to relitigate what was going on with the unnamed origin of un, uh, the unnamed virus of unknown origin that was happening at the time. But Encanto had a second life, and it's actually done fairly well. And that's actually one of our more popular reviews of last year. Who yeah. knew? Um, Raya and the Last Dragon went. That straight. didn't do it. No, that, that didn't, didn't do, do well. well at all. But it was also like. What it was like the first it, that 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 was one of the the first ones they did after the lockdown that yeah went, that went straight to Disney Plus day and date yeah so um so there's that I can't remember uh what all else they've done but like yeah D Disney and Pixar basically just like it's like Coke and Pepsi essentially it's like yeah there's very little difference between them anymore but um, all of this to say that. The studio that has more that has more hits and hits and miss hits than misses these days is Illumination, and yeah. this is a big reason why. Like the I don't think they've ever have they ever had a movie that like legitimately didn't do well. You'd have to look. Um, well, while I'm I will. going through my craft review. You can check that for me. Uh, here's what I'll tell you about this. Illum and, and the reason why I went into that whole uh, side piece there was Illumination. One of the things that makes them a success is their animation style is darn near perfect. Um. Everything looks crisp and vibrant and beautiful. The dumbest of their movies looks gorgeous. So, you know, like the Minions movies, these are not exactly high art, but <laughs> they look really nice. You know, the final battle. They've had, one, they've had I think they've had like two, because their first film was Despicable Me. Their mm -hmm. second film was Hop, which I do not think did well. Uh, their take on the Lorax did okay. Not great, but it did it yeah. did all right. Then it's like Despicable Me 2, Minions, Pets, Sing, Despicable Me 3, The Grinch, Secret Life of Pets 2, Sing 2, Minions, I, The Mario coming up. Hang on. I have I have breaking news that was just sent to me, my, literally just sent to me by my producer, so hang on. And now, I'm up at News Flash! All right. So it's from We Got This Covered, which the last time I read something from We Got This Covered in our group chat, I was laughed out of the room. But... <laughs> 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 However, this seems to be reporting an issue, not making a prediction of some kind. So here we go. All right. Cinemas are now canceling screenings of Minions, The Rise of Gru, over gentle Minions trend. Oh, if I you, saw this. If you thought the after effects of 
the gentle minion trend couldn't get any worse. What is the gentle minion trend? Uh, movie fans are suiting all the way up for Minions, the rise of Gru screenings. If you headed out to theaters over the weekend, you may have seen groups of patrons wearing suits headed to the Minions, the rise of Gru, all due to a viral TikTok trend currently dominating the web. Social media has been engulfed by moviegoers wearing formal attire out into the wild to catch the new... Mi you know... I just, I would like to lament. <laughs> the, there was a time when going the to the fall theater. Of culture, man. You used to get dressed to the nine, put on a nice Sunday suit to go see the talkies. You're darn right. Look, look, when they used to just show cartoons on a reel, everyone would get dressed. You'd right? go watch. Yeah, like, I mean, for those of you who don't know, going that's actually. It's like going to the theater, like the yeah. actual theater. What have we become? Like you see someone in a suit that wants to go into a movie, and you're like, "No." <laughs> like, what has how happened? Have, to the... <laughs> how have we inverted from we need you need a jacket and tie to take that shit off? You put on your basketball shorts, homie, and, and here, and I, you may or may not have to wear a shirt. I haven't decided. I mean, please make sure your man meat is hanging out at the theater. Anyway, um, what have we become? <laughs> A bunch of animals, fucking savages in this town, sir. Um, okay, so cinemas are now removing screenings of Minions, The Rise of Gru, to the trend getting out of hand to the point where it's no longer manageable. How is go this a problem? Go on! How? I, I, I genuinely mean this. If they're paying for their tickets... I mean, if they're showing up and breaking into Ska, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. If we have flash mobs, yeah, you got a problem. Okay, that's you know, a problem. Everyone just busted out a trombone and got into fucking... But if I, if I wear a suit to the movies, <laughs> you can get that! Yeah, it's like again, unless you pulled out a trombone and broke into, you know, uh, lion ass bitch by fishbone in mid, you know, mid showing. I how is this a problem? Is you're just like sitting there in your suit? Um, according to the BBC, a cinema in Guernsey, UK, pulled screenings for Minion sequel due to vandalism and bad behavior from large groups. Oh God, it's an un it's an unruly suited punk rock mob. Well, okay, hang on. <laughs> so stupid no 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 this is unbearably stupid but i'm gonna track the logic here if i can mm -hmm. people are showing up in suits mm -hmm. and there are other people who are not in suits and somehow this might lead to violence <laughs> yeah it's like the are jets we, of the sharks man are we, are we gonna jazz tap at each other here? What the <laughs> God, i fucking hope so <laughs> It's I, I would like a suited man and a basketball shorted man to get into a knife fight with one another, a la beat where they, it Michael where they never where they never actually try to stab each other and just kind yeah. of dun, 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 dun. While, while the core while while the Greek chorus around them sings. <laughs> All right. Uh this is the dumbest thing. What Mallard the... Cinema manager Daniel Phillips Smith told the BBC that people who took part in the meme that's not how you that's not how you use meme. It really is responsible. They reported that these people abused staff, threw things, swore and argued against cinema goers. <clears throat> Philip Smith also said they had to issue large amounts of refunds due to the disruption and that the decision to pull the film was heartbreaking. All right. So essentially, okay, so people, are, people are going to the movies and misbehaving. What you have here then is not a problem with people in their attire. You have a problem with stupid people. Yeah, which is sure. not the same thing. Right, they just happen idiots. to be weird. Yeah, that, that that is a weirdly written article because it, it makes you seem like the suit was the problem. Like I was a man once, and then I put on my 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 
you know, my tails and my top hat, and suddenly I became a roustabout. The fuck out of here. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that's a. That's poorly explained. The final, right. moving on. Th th thank you to my producer for the, that distraction. Um, the final sequence for the 85th time is so vibrant in color. I wish they it really is. I wish they hadn't given it away in the trailer when they've all turned into monsters and they jump at the minions because they, they cut it right there. But it is, it's almost one of those like art pieces I would like to hang on my wall. It, yeah. There's, there's, um, you're going to laugh, but. Um, like you, you will see, but it, 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 it is a little frightening. Don't you think like, and I'm not saying like you as a adult man, shit your pants, <laughs> you know, like oh, the horror. Um, but I think it is between the use of color. Uh, I think genuinely scary imagery, a very nice picture when they all jump in the air like that. And that's a credit to the animation team for bringing to life something that one might also consider to be somewhat innocuous. Like, you know, you have fight sequences in cartoons all the time. They all don't look like that. That was special. Hey, hey, let me let me just say like this. Uh, last year, there was another movie featuring a Chinese-styled dragon. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go again, everybody. Hang on. Here's all I'm going to say about this. I absolutely mean this. Mm-hmm. This movie has better shoots everything involving their their mirac their like fantastical creatures frames it better, more readable, better color. These people legitimately did a Marvel style finale better than Marvel did. For sure. And what he's referencing is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um there's it's it's a Chase the MacGuffin story. Um the story kind of, you know, it's, it's, it is slight, but it's not that to say it's not about anything. It, you know, it yeah. is about, there is a hero's journey. You have these three hobbits, you know, who are, who, who fight the good fight to become better than themselves naturally and, you know, and take on the greater evil. It, it's Lord of the Rings. Um, but with, you know, Kevin, Bob and Stuart, you have Otto who, um, dang is on it. <laughs> now I now I demand a Lord of the Rings remake with minions. With minions? Perfect. Yes. No, no. I want the I want the minions to be the hobbits. Uh -huh. And I legitimately want everyone else to be everyone else. Like, <laughs> Isn't that like the thing that Alexis gets obsessed with with the Muppets? You know, it's it's uh the great Gatsby, but with Muppets, you know, it's just like you have to that, remove one character and you insert a Muppet in there. Oh well, no, 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 like the, the general way that gag goes is mm -hmm. you pick a story. Mm-hmm. You can either do this for something you want to see made in the future or something that already exists. Mm -hmm. You keep one human actor <laughs> and in that role, and then you replace everyone. The one that okay. I've seen a lot recently is I would like is people going, I would like to see a Pride and Prejudice movie mm -hmm. with everyone as Muppets except for Mr. Darcy, who is played straight by Adam Driver. <laughs> so yes, uh, Lord of the Rings, but Minions. Got it. Um, and then you have Otto's story, and Otto is has a redemptive arc, you know. He uh, he is given a task. He bombs said task. He is then sent on a quest to redeem himself and solve the problem. You have Steve Carell's character of Gru, who is trying to prove himself, and he uh, he lends himself to this uh, villain character, Wild Knuckles, and is redeeming him. You know, a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader kind of a thing. So I mean, there's stuff here. 
that you can gravitate to. There, there, there are stories here, and I just like that's the whole point of me doing all of that is say, hey, there is stuff embedded in the narrative that that is familiar, and that's what's going to lend it to wide support and viewings because people go, I recognize that, I know that, that that's familiar, I like it. Um, so that's fine. You know what? I also need to mention for the voice work and the mm -hmm. casting, getting Jean Claude Van Damme to play Jean Claude. <laughs> and Dolph Lundgren to play the... <laughs> like there's some really when I say inspired I don't I mean like neither of those guys give a bad performance vocally mm -hmm. but they're also like they're not asked to do a tremendous amount right but that's some inspired like meta humor sure to... <laughs> so I think you know what works with minions is again again not everything ha I prefer things to have some heft to them but I accept when they don't. I'm not gonna, you know. I, I look. I'm the one that defended Tom and Jerry. So if I start bashing this movie, I have to hit my own self. Um, so I see the value in this movie. I had a good time watching it. My kids laughed at it. My wife laughed at the, you know, the hidden dirty humor here and there, like deep throating an ice cream cone, shit like that. Um, but other than that, like it's. I I'll tell you what. Uh, I will say one more nice thing about this. I loved. Loved, loved, loved. And you mentioned it at the top. So I almost I almost skipped this. Loved the music in this. Like that for me is the best part. Like they would play a song and I would want to get up and dance. I adored the music in this. It you is and my mother. Well, I, 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 I do enjoy my 70s film yeah. and music. No, no, no. Like, I, I don't mean that unkindly. I mean, like mm -hmm. as, I saw this. Uh, I saw this Monday. Mm -hmm. And uh, which was. Yeah, I saw it on the 4th, and we did it as kind of a later birthday present for my youngest brother. Mm -hmm. We actually didn't wind up going because he, eh, reasons. <laughs> but, so, it's me, two of my brothers, my mom, and one of my brother's wives. Mm -hmm. And as we're leaving what? the theater... Wait, wait, one of your brother's wives, as in he has multiple wives? No, 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 wives? Wife, sing <laughs> wife singular. Okay. okay, or one of your brothers, his wife. Yeah. Got it. I have... One of my three brothers is married. His wife was there with us. You do live in Utah. Yeah, you have any other timely jokes you want to make, like a reference to the Titanic or the Hindenburg? Any other of these trends you want to get when uh, they're just at the very peak of their popularity? I'll say it for you. Shut up, fuckface. Move on. <laughs> uh, so, as we're leaving, like the first thing my mom says is, might have to buy that soundtrack. Yeah. Hang on, I'm gonna actually. We haven't done a good Amazon plug in a while because we're no longer supported by them. But um, real quick, like, I want to actually like read some of these songs to you. And like, it's fucking dope. <laughs> like, I really had a good time with this. Minion. Dude, when 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 Wild Knuckles like sets to torture Gru by putting him on the giant record player, and it's that same song over and over and over again. Like, yeah, <laughs> I I'd, I'd pray for death too. <laughs> the only thing that would have made that funnier is if somebody had thought to you stuck in the middle with you. I don't think that had come out at the time, had it? Uh, maybe. I mean, I know it's in pulp. I know it's in uh, Reservoir Dogs, and it's you know Casey Sound of the seventies. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So we have turn up, turn up the sunshine, Diana Ross and Tam Impala, uh, Shining Star, Brittany Howard and Verdine White. You can, Funky just, go Town. The, you can just go with the song titles. We don't necessarily okay. have the artists. Hollywood Swinging, uh, De Sefinato, Bang Bang. <laughs> You shot the me down. That, bang, the, bang. I've just got to say, like, the fact that they opened this with the minions doing a version of a James Bond intro. Oh, that's so funny. Was so good. 
I laughed hard at that. Uh, so yeah, Bang Bang, which also seen in Kill Bill. Um, so, <laughs> you know, Quentin Tarantino, the Minions people. Fly Like an Eagle, uh, good, uh, Goodbye to Love, Instant Karma, You're No Good, You're No Good, You're No Good, You're No Good, Robert Winfrey, You're No Good, I'm gonna say it again, Robert Winfrey's No Good, You're No Good, I'm You're No Good, go back to reading. Baby, You're No Good, uh, Vehicle, which I already sang, I won't do it again, but I really do enjoy that song, it's fucking awesome. Clearly. Uh, dance to the music. Come on, get up and dance, Robert. Dance to the music. Uh, I'm going to let you guess whether or not I'm standing and dancing. (laughs) I dance for no man. I'm Robert Winfrey. Uh, Black Magic Woman, which is a great song. Cool. Born to be Alive. Uh, Cecilia. You're breaking my heart. You're shaking my confidence daily. Oh, Cecilia. Um... Kung Fu Sweet, and here we are. So yeah, great soundtrack. Um, I I want to mention it because something that you brought up with Ragnarok, not to pick at that particular wound, but there's... Next week. I'm saving it for next week. There's <laughs> using music to enhance a scene where the music plays a role in setting tone. Music adds to aesthetic. And then there's... I put this here so that everyone will go, yay, I heard Bohemian Rhapsody. What was it? It wasn't just Ragnarok. There was something else where you were like, the use of music, it might have been like Suicide Squad or something, where you went berserk. It probably would um, It probably would have been the first Suicide Squad movie if it was, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any problems with the one that James Gunn did. No, 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 no. But I feel like, okay, I remember that, yeah, it had to have been Suicide Squad because you went, you went berserk because they copied Guardians of the Galaxy and missed the point entirely, is what it was. Because Guardians of the Galaxy <clears throat> was another really good example of how you use music in a film. Uh, exceptional. Exceptional. Yeah. Both of them. It, it adds to aesthetic. Uh, it sets a tone. Um, it tells you a story that's embedded in the narrative, in a scene. Uh, it, you know, it, it is appropriate use of music to, for each scene and set to what's going on with the character in said scene. And that's why... You know, and yes, they, they James Gunn used popular music, and it's and it's sort of a cheat, but that's okay. You can use cheats in film to get people to tune into your movie. It's fine. It's how you do it. You know that that's the key, not that you did it at all. And then there's Suicide Squad, which copied the you know the smart kids homework, but didn't change but didn't change his name, and put and and, co- and copied it wrong so that the so that the right answers are on the wrong questions. Yeah. And again, that's one of the things that Gunn rectified when he got the Suicide Squad sequel was mm-hmm. better selection of music and better positioning of it. Yeah, but I, I remember you going insane with the Suicide Squad thing because of that reason and its poor use of music. Where really, it wall was. to where it was wall to wall, and it was just like, what are songs people like? Put those in there. Like that has nothing to do with Harley Quinn. Fuck it, put it in anyway. Um, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Superior I use. I, of I had a little bit. I had a little bit of that with. Um, captain marvel too like that was another one that i <laughs> okay so captain marvel was fine the way they use the music unfortunately it was also a little on the nose you know a fist fight set to i'm just a girl that was dumb uh <laughs> come as you are being like the backdrop of annette benning's reveal like yeah there's so much in that that was just so bad like yeah no, that, was, is, that, that was that was that was that was somebody's idea that was kind of kind of like what we talked about with Pan, where it's like someone here likes Nirvana and felt the need to have kids chanting it. 
Yeah, and you know, given who <laughs> produced some of those movies. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so we can wrap up this review. And we can move on. I don't have <clears throat> my basically my one criticism is like I said it. I wish it had more weight to it, but other than that, you know, you know, you can't win them all. So I, I walked out of it. I'm like, this is not as good as the first one, but the first one was so good that it, you know, you're still, you're still so far above its immediate competitor, Lightyear, which we tore apart. Um, we so you know, many it, craft issues. We uh, there's been over the last couple of years, you know, you, me, and Alexis, and to a lesser extent, Dave have discussed a lot of feature animation, and you know, some some was some were better than others, and. Even if you're not as good as your predecessor to be as good as this one, you're still head and shoulders above a lot of its com- a lot of its more recent competitors, Pixar included. So yay for Minions, The Rise of Gert. You got anything else? Yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't quite have the narrative emotional core, and I think that's the big ingredient that's mm-hmm. missing here. Yeah. But, you know, it's also, like you also mentioned, it's not like there's nothing narratively happening either. There is stuff yeah. that happens here. It's not just a, it's not a Monty Python, series of Monty Python skits. Right. It's not it's not quite that madcap, but it is more designed to be, you know, a bit more flowy scene to scene. Here's some funny stuff. And, you know, and if you enjoy the humor that they present here and they like you, like we mentioned, there's a little something for everybody here there. Yeah, you've got fart jokes for the kids (laughs) and you've got stuff that, you know, the parents are going to be the ones that kind of into it. And you've got some stuff that. I mean, I'm trying to remember what I laughed the hardest at, apart from the final fight. Mm-hmm. After Kevin lands the airplane and he goes "ha ha" in success, and then Stewart just as he's after he's been you know like sucked into the toilet, <laughs> and he just opens the pi- the door to the pilot to the cabin and goes "no, no ha ha." No, you don't get to celebrate this. Look at me. Yeah, that's so good it, stuff. It's there's a lot of good humor to be had here. This one's not going to stay with you in the way, in ways that the others have, and you know you're not. No one's going to bat a thousand on that. It's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, this is still a solid hit. Mm-hmm. It's still funny. You and the kids can enjoy it. You know, it's it's not great. There's narrative issues, like we talked about, but it still winds up being a pass if we're doing pass fail for me, mostly right. because I laughed at it, and it's supposed to be laughed at. Yes. <laughs> I'll teach you to laugh at things that are funny. All right. Um, and with that said, here go. Hey, you want to talk about funny? Here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. Um, wow. Look at the size of that platform. <laughs> so, uh,. You, you and I. <laughs> no, no. Talk... The, the, the puppy dog eyes picture that they chose for that is a great shot selection. Oh, that. yeah. So you and I can sit here and bellyache about craft all day long. This thing is a runaway success. Just oh, yeah. out. The film has grossed $216 million worldwide, making it the 10th highest grossing film of 2022 as of this recording on a yep. budget of $80 million. This thing is already a wild success. Like, an unmitigated yep. wild success. So um, I want to read through the box office trend here real quick because it broke all kinds of stupid records. As of July 4th, 2022, which was yesterday, as of this recording, Minions, The Rise of Gru has grossed $123.1 million in the United States and Canada and $93.8 million in other territories for a worldwide 
of $216.9 million, the 10th highest grossing film of 2022. In the U.S. and Canada, Minions The Rise of Gru was initially projected to grow 70 to 80 million from uh, almost 4,400 theaters over its four-day opening weekend. After making 48.1 million on its first day, including 10.8 million in, from Thursday previews, which is when I saw it, I saw it on Thursday, the best for an animated film among the pandemic and of the Despicable Me franchise, estimates were raised to 129 million. We're into Marvel money now. Like this is the kind of these are the kinds of facts and figures they they put out there for most Marvel movies. It went on to debut at 108.5 million, which had like Universal and Illumination people just drinking the blood of babies. They were so happy. It was insane. Um, topping the box office. Its total set the Independence Day weekend record, surpassing Transformers Dark of the Moon. Good. Uh, Screw that movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure. $115.9 million in 2011. The film opened in Australia before its U.S. release, debuting to $3.7 million, and added another 60 international markets in the sophomore weekend and made $87.2 million. The, the combined first and second offshore weekends were 13% below Minions 2015 and 3% below Despicable Me 3. Four countries Cons are considering the state of the world in various places being mm -hmm. in lockdown and whatnot. That's really good. Yeah. Um, four countries, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and Venezuela had the biggest animation opening weekend of all time. Woo. This touched the Saudis people. <laughs> <laughs> Notorious for not liking American films, by the way. Yeah, we're kind of okay with the Saudis. Uh, the pot. <laughs> tell well, that the Pixar. Tell that to Pixar and their gay kiss. Um, <laughs> hey, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. When I say we, I mean more like we are somewhat friendly on a governmental level. Sure, sure, sure. But the popular... not, this, you know, this is the same thing with like Ms. Marvel, just real, real briefly. Mm -hmm. You chose to present a character who is allegedly uh, Muslim. Mm -hmm. Then had her drink. <laughs> How do you think this is going to go over in countries, not counties, not cities, whole countries that are that are dry? It's not a joke. So like that... the, the domestic weekend box office for the July 4th weekend, Minions, The Rise of Groove is the number one movie of the weekend, which we said was going to happen. There's no surprise there. Top Gun Maverick maintained its position at number two. We said this was going to knock Elvis out of one. It knocked it down to three. Jurassic World was knocked three to four. Black Phone four to five. Lightyear five to six. Um, I need to address Lightyear in a very intellectual and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need up, to. Your setup is killing me. I I need to discuss the ins and outs of the, what's going on with Lightyear and its effect on the box office. <laughs> How ironic that the space movie blew up on the launch pad. <laughs> it's so, it's, wow. This is like an embarrassing loss for Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, we, we already talked about it when we reviewed the movie. I don't need to go into it again. Just know that, like, this is an embarrassingly wild swing and a miss. For Pixar to the point this where, is, like, this is nothing... Deon... Hey, hang, hang, hang This is like Deontay Wilder in the second <laughs> Tyson Fury fight. Yeah, just swinging and missing and falling over well... and stumbling around <laughs> and yelling at his corner for stopping the fight. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Actually, this kind of reminds me of post Batman v Superman 
Warner Brothers like needing to get involved because like yeah, there's nothing they can do about Strange World, and I think next year then the other one is Foster. I don't remember if that's Disney or Pixar, but they they've uh, I think it's one is Element and the other one is Foster. I looked at them yesterday. Uh, the last time I worked was a Thursday. Yeah, um, Strange World will probably do okay. I think Strange World's gonna gonna do okay, but you know, it as they say on the wire, this is a super tanker and it takes a long time to turn it around. You have done so much damage to yourself, Pixar. And here's the thing. Well, hang on. Look, just say Disney. We know that. Like, and here's why. I, hang on. Here's why I say. That. Well, no, because because what I was going to say is, Pixar's insistence on inclusion, while laudable, you aggravate sure, your audience. I'm not sure how much of that comes from the people at Pixar versus the the people at Disney. I, I, well, I the mean, people that at Disney sincerely. tell them to get their gay characters out of there, and then the people at Pixar okay. cry about it, and Disney puts it back in again, and then they and then it loses money. That's been the pattern. Okay. Well, it, you might you are you might be a bit more tuned in with the ins and outs there than I am. I will. Whoever is whoever has decided that we're going to use Pixar and their cultural cachet as the soapbox from which we will preach has made a pretty disastrous miscalculation. That's what I mean. Like, there's nothing they can do about the next two to three years because the lag time on animation is about three to four years. Like, shit goes into you know principal photography you I mean, uh, the like, actors record all their stuff be before right. you even really start animating like there's yeah so th there's only so much they can do to save the film once they once they've got it going um other than scrap it entirely and that's that's millions of dollars wasted so they're not going to do that so i don't think you're gonna th this is kind of the go woke go broke issue where a couple of years ago around the time that like elizabeth banks's charlie's angels movie and Terminator, Dark Feminism, and all those movies were coming out. What a disastrous <laughs> year for film that was, remember? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oi. Um, we lamented the death of... Like, <laughs> if the pandemic hadn't done a number on theaters, the quality of film coming out sure was an well, the, thing. Well, the religious, religiously zealous commitment to feminist filmmaking, while laudable... Yeah. Also misguided. Well, hang on, because you can so, do. Okay, hang on. L let me let me take issue with one part of this. You mm -hmm. can make feminist films, million sure. percent. Absolutely. Anyone who goes into anyone who does any creative endeavor with a degree of zealotry like that, I think there's a problem. No, I I, and I and I don't disagree with you. But that's what I was saying. Yeah. You can you can say we would like more inclusion. We would like to see more representation of badass female. We would like, we would like to see more Sigourney uh, Weavers and more Linda Hamiltons than not. And like, okay, I'm with you so far. We have to do it at the cost of men. We must cut them off at the knees. Okay. And we, <laughs> and, we and and we must cast. Some of the most unlikable <laughs> actors. Yeah, let's. We must make them the least sexy of the women uh, that we can find. I, I love Jeff can Sloboda. I, I love Jeff Sloboda, and some of the stuff he says makes me laugh. But I, I can only imagine it drives other people. I don't know. He's got really good numbers lately, so maybe he's found the, the audience for this sort of thing. But like his insistence that Brie Larson is built like the number one, while <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> In our current cultural conversation, is fucking hilarious. That. That's funny. Oh yeah, he a couple of shows in a row. Every time Captain Marvel got brought up, it was like, and Brie Larson shaped like the number one. I was like, oh god, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, ah, uh, look, there's plenty of people that find Brie Larson attractive. I know several of them. Like, I'm mm. not, I'm not insulting the woman's 
you know, looks or anyone that does find her attractive. But if we're just talking like body type, she she's lacking in the curves department. And that's look, yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's not a reason to not cast a woman. This is not also true. Curve. She's look, she's a very she might annoy me on a personal level and she might stick her foot very firmly into her mouth pretty much every time she talks publicly. I want to be the Iron Man of the next phase of the MCU. You do not have near the charm, <laughs> the interpersonal skills, or the relationship with the fans that Robert Downey Jr. went out of his way to cultivate. Yeah, look, I... Brie she Larson, is a very it, talented actress. Yeah, Brie, Brie, Brie Larson is a critically acclaimed actress and there's every single one of those accolades. She can also be a bit twatty. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like... Pick your battles there, Brie. Um, and, and and for more on that, here, here's Reese Witherspoon turning into a lettuce. Stalk of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Romaine Romain lettuce, that's what it was. Here, no, and no, now she, here's here's Romaine Witherspoon. Romaine. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. Anyway. I can't believe it took me that many years to connect those dots. Yeah, that we, it's been a while, man, since I've beat that into the ground. Um oh. anyway, all the way back to Pixar. I, I was talking I was talking about the go woke, go broke stuff. And yeah. so a lot of films got greenlit and got and went into development with the idea of more inclusion, more feminism, more, more, more. And it they did so at the cost of their male audience. And and oh look, it, none of them made money. But you have to, but it's kind of like digging out of the of the pandemic in the sense of you had all of these movies backlogged and got delayed and delayed and delayed. We're almost to the end of digging out of like wave one. Like, like yeah, I think like we've we're, just we're, got into wave two. Yeah. We have just barely kind of got away from stuff that was, I think we had our last little bit of movies that were supposed to be released in 2020 that came out mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. So it's going to be a few years. I, I think Pixar can pull the jet out of the tailspin um, and, and gain some stability. I don't think we'll see it until 2024, 2025. So, Probably. Um, I, I hope Strange World does well. I hope it captures an audience. But if if they've overcommitted to inclusion to the to forsaking all others, all you know what? Else, hang on, hang on, hang on. When we talk, we should call this what it is. When it comes to the virtual signaling, hang on, no, 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 because inclusion is a good thing, right? Like not, not, neither you nor I nor any reasonable person objects to other to characters having different orientations, different skin colors, different religious beliefs. Like no one, no reasonable person is objecting to this, right? No. So any, anyone, no. Go, anyone going, we don't want these things. You're an unreasonable person. Like, let's exclude them from the conversation for the sake of it. No, we are in fact talking about the people who do this to the exclusion of all else. Is the that's yeah, that's the key. Like this actually right. isn't inclusion; it is, believe it or not, exclusion. Yes. Um, I want to say, and I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have been Harry. Actually, we were talking about uh, pro wrestling, and I and I enjoy the niche wrestling shows that focus on just gay wrestlers or focus on just black wrestlers. And he was like, it, "It's it's inclusion by exclusion." When you put on for the culture and it's a dedicated black show, you are now excluding any white wrestler who would have been perfectly fine well, working on that show. Not just white like, wrestlers. Like it, it, if you're doing that, like, and it's going to be all black wrestlers, well, you're not getting anyone who's Hispanic. You're not getting any Hispanic. Yeah. You're not getting any you know, no no Japanese wrestlers. Right. No, like you are you are deliberately excluding, and mm -hmm. <sighs> that always rubs me the wrong way a little bit, but. Mm -hmm. I also look if you're the one fronting the money and you're the one that wants to put on the show, then yeah, 
I mean, look, I, I didn't, well, I won't even get into that argument that he had about, you know, he felt the promoter was taking advantage. And I'm like, none of those people. It's prof- <laughs> he's a, it's a professional wrestling promoter. Of course, he's taking advantage of someone. <laughs> well, it's what they do. But, but I like, well, I like, hang on, hang on. I liked Harry's line about it's exclusion via inclusion, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. It, it is. I mean, and just on the, to maybe make a more broadly applicable point, since we're talking movies here, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was Jordan Peele said he'd never write a story with a white lead. Mm-hmm. I didn't give him crap for that, nor do I think anyone else should. If that's if those aren't the stories he wants to tell, right? Knock yourself out, man. I genuinely do not care. That was Sean's comment about Fire Island that he likes to see gay people telling gay stories, which is fine. I I think I don't subscribe to the notion that a, a non-person can tell a person's story. Yeah. You put in whatever you want. No, but no, no. Like, I know people but I know people who would like but I would like to see the story told by the by that. I would like to see the person's story told by the person. Okay, sure. I just but don't say that, that you can't do it any other way. Yeah, the, I mean, we had years and years and years of movies and television and books that touched on these issues that were done by non-whatever of the subject right. material. And some of those are, quality-wise, significantly better than what is put out by people within those communities. Right. And that's... Yeah, yeah. So all the way back to Lightyear and Pixar again. Yeah. They they have, you know, the, all of this to say they I'm sure they have some films in the can right now that are waiting for release and they may not. And, and, they, and, and this I stuff, imagine the chasm is only going to get any because it's only going to get bigger. But I think by 2025, like stuff that's going into production now set for release in 2024 and 2025, I think hopefully if, if somebody from Disney is like, stop already, you have made an egregious error. You have my wildly misunderstood the marketplace fucking fix it before we have to end Pixar because we're doing just fine on the Disney side. I'll let you talk and then we'll move on with this. Now, I, I think you're correct. You know, we're dealing. I imagine that there's some poor schmuck at Pixar who's looking at the movies that are set to come out. And he's just, his job is to take a big red marker and just write a B on the ones that he now <laughs> knows are going to bomb. <laughs> so we're going to take a loss on the following, you know, qu- yep. Qu- query mcquerickson takes a goes on a picnic <laughs> all right just but we wanted to tell that story about queers on a picnic well fuck you because no one wants to see it congrats look <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that you wanted to make it why'd it cost 150 million dollars <laughs> really wanted to get vibrant picnic color um all right speaking of vibrant picnic, you had color, to get but... every color of the rainbow <laughs> <there>. <laughs> We're not laughing at gay people. Mr. Malcolm's list oh, this, came in at number this seven. Is a, yeah, that's a joke at cor- about the kind of corporate culture and the mm-hmm. pseudo-creative process that's going yeah. on. Because you know someone's making that argument. Yeah. Uh, everything Everywhere All at Once maintained its spot at number eight and apparently went up from the previous week. Doctor, Doctor Strange currently on Disney Plus now, so no one's seeing that in the theater anymore. Jug Jug J.O. 7 to 10. Marcel Lachelle with shoes on. Uh, jumped up from 13 to 11 and I guess ended up in a bunch more theaters. Yeah, and that's an A24 it's, it's, feature. It's going into wider release. Uh, Fourth of July, debut at number 12. Bob's Burgers, 9 to 13. Downton Abbey, 11 to 14. And that is now on Peacock, which is not a real service. Uh, it, doesn't ha- it doesn't have a search <laughs> function. It's not a real streaming service. 
The bad guys fell from 10 to 15. Official competition, 15 to 16. The Forgiven debuted at number 17. Phantom of the Open. That's me. 12 to 18. Mad God. Uh, 2019 and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 dropping from 14 to 20, and I believe is now on Paramount Plus, which is uh, marginally more of a streaming service than Peacock. <laughs> All right, worldwide, you know, the, here's... you know, the ups, you know, the upside to Paramount Plus, and I absolutely mean this mm-hmm. integration with Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's Have you the watched... upside. That's the upside to Paramount Plus. I'm about halfway done with Halo. Yikes! By the way, I, hey, I was telling one of my friends this. Uh, I was like, I'm watching this Halo show, and how did the Mandalorian, with all of its faults, do a better version of this character than Halo? Yeah, I'm not loving it. And she was like, Why are you watching it? Then, well, I committed to reviewing it. Why are you reviewing it? Because it was based on a video game, and once upon a time, that mattered to me. And I'm. You know, as I as I move towards the end of this chapter of my podcasting career, not to go on that tangent yet again, but as I, you know, at the end of July is the end of the multi-day podcast schedule for me. Starting in August, I'm I'm down to two, two week, two per week, the occasional third, uh, depending on what's going on that particular week. But I'm I'm dropping down to two a week, and I'm beginning the slow cutting of television out of my repertoire. I have given that off to Robert and Alexis and Jason and Jesse. They'll either cover stuff or they won't, but I'm done with television by December, I think. And the last one is that I have scheduled is the crown. Um, You're going to be there to review the boys season three with us though, right? Yeah, no, no, that that's on there. Okay. I haven't, I haven't double checked the schedule. The boys, the Orville Lord of the Rings, um, Ms. Marvel. Dude, that Lord of the Rings show, man. Oh, it's going to be terrible, but I committed to it. So <laughs> I know. No, no, like th- this is literally just me going, that's going to the fallout from that. Like, yeah, this is one of those weird things. Like I, I well, follow the, the wheel of time was the canary in the coal mine. Lord of the Rings is going to be full on nerd rage. There, well, there's people who enjoy the wheel of time, but the, it doesn't mm-hmm. have like this. I don't mean it doesn't have a fan base, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. the same passionate fan base. Right. That Lord of the Rings does. And by this point. You know, I I forget where I heard this. I think it was one of uh, Critical Drinkers podcasts. Probably. But they, he he brought this up when they were talking about, you know, the, when the stuff for the Lord of the Rings, for the Rings of Power started releasing. Like they started mm-hmm. doing that. And he said, you know, looking at the response to this, it's, this is everyone's final line in the sand. Like, <laughs> we have We have watched Disney and Amazon and all of you we have mm. watched you piss on Star Wars. We have watched you piss on comic books. We have I watched mean, Cowboy watched, Bebop. We have watched you piss on yeah, yeah, Cowboy Bebop, which a lot of people like. We have watched you take. We have watched you just defecate on Star Trek over and over and over and over again. We have seen you take all of these things that we love and that matter to us, and you have done horrible. <laughs> horrible things to them. You know, there's the South Park episode where George Lucas and uh, Steven Spielberg find Indiana Jones. You know, yeah. yeah. And like, boys don't cry him. Yeah. Like, there's, <laughs> we have seen you do all of this, and now you're coming for Lord of the Rings. And this is yeah. the, like, this is the last line. Yeah, this is this Patrick is, Stewart going, the line must be drawn, yeah. This far no further, <laughs> and I will make them pay for what they've done. <laughs> so anyway, um, all of that to, just talking about the television thing, yeah, I've, I've kind of hit the end of my rope because not only do I just need to not do this every single day, I also 
I have hey, Halo broke me is what happened. <laughs> Halo broke <Makes> me. <laughs> um, where I was just like, I, I had that Snape moment in Harry Potter where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because I was asked directly by this friend of mine, this really, really good friend. She was like, why do you do this to yourself? Like, why do you make yourself watch things that you that you aren't enjoying? And just why don't you just like I want to watch the offer on Paramount Plus. It's like the only reason I'm going to keep the service at this point uh, after after Halo. I really want to see this drama about the making of The Godfather. And I can't watch it because I don't have time because I got to watch Halo, which I'm not enjoying. Freaking Miles Teller. And yeah so that remind me i watched it i'm like oh jesus there's my to miles teller again and i was like because i committed to it and i committed to it at a time where i was trying to cover everything and it it, it just it just killed me it killed my it killed my enjoyment about talking about because for every pam and tommy or for every jupiter's ascending or for every um too old to die young which i just re-listened to again because we had such a marvelous conversation about that you, you know, could actually you could actually hear the joy of you, me, and Jesse talking to each other about what a shitty show that was. True. <laughs> um, so for every one of those is a conversation with Alexis about the first season of The Mandalorian, you know, or, you know, something that the I... The Book of did. Boba Fett. Oof. Yeah. Something like that. You know, for every Peacemaker, there's there, there's a Loki, which I wasn't on that show, but um, where it's just like, or Obi-Wan. Like, I, I have to talk Obi-Wan tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to this. As much as I enjoy those guys that I'm going to talk about it with, I'm not looking forward to talking about it because it's just a mess show. And so I'm just sick of talking about stuff. And this this was the reason why. She was like, well, but why? And I was like, because it's popular. And I felt the need to be part of the popular cultural conversation. And sometimes I hit, I, I sometimes I touch the ball and sometimes I don't. You know, I don't think Halo is generating much of a conversation, but I committed to it. People want to talk about it. So we're going to, but you know, like, <clears throat> You know, everyone was talking about Book of Boba Fett at the time. Um, everyone was talking about, oh, fuck, what else have we done recently? Um, Moon Knight. You know, people were talking about Moon Knight when that was happening. So, you know, so I talked about him too. But I'm, I've really hit a point where like, and, and just in time for She-Hulk, Robert, I have hit a point where I'm like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I will watch some of the stuff that I'm interested in. I'm not talking about the shit anymore. I've had it. I will stick to the movies because I thoroughly enjoy them and they do not eat as much of my time um well you know that this is a good thing because it allows you to be more selective about mm -hmm. which television shows you talk about you will only discuss the ones you want to talk about right if i have someone that even wants to talk about it so like nobody wants to talk about the offer hey here's the thought I, I was i was actually sharing this i there was a period where i had plenty of stuff to talk about but i had time to watch other television so i watched mrs america and the morning show no one in this group of nerds was talking about either one of those things i don't think i thoroughly talk... <laughs> hang on if we're i'm not saying people didn't enjoy them but if you're talking mm -hmm. about like who did those generate discussion anywhere i'm guessing the answer is no no i have not heard any first of all i talk about like, i have brought up mrs america a few times and people are like mrs what now like no one knows what I'm talking about. Like it was on Hulu. There's I know a lot of things on Hulu. <laughs> I enjoy Snowfall. Who cares? <laughs> like I enjoy it, but no one wants to talk about Snowfall with me. People barely want to talk about The Wire, and I talk about it incessantly. And I will be talking about it in two months. Anyway, worldwide. Well, the thing is, I just finished a rewatch of The Wire. Oh, did you really? You know, Jesse and I are are, are that's the next after the corner. That's the next group of uh, shows we're doing as part of our from the corner to the Do series. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay. Um, all right. Look, Number okay. One. 
I did that so that if Jesse falls out, <laughs> I, oh, okay, I can tag you in. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I will be. It will be re, uh, close enough in my mind for me to have a conversation with you about your favorite thing ever. Okay, cool. Thank you for being his understudy. Um, Top Gun Maverick num- permanently on deck. Top Gun Maverick uh, is the number one movie in the world with over a billion dollars. Uh, the only one this year so far. So um, far, minions so will get there. Doctor Strange petering out at just under a uh, you know about forty-seven million shy of a yeah, billion. Nine hundred and fifty million. Yeah, so, it's not, gonna, it's not it, making it. it. It's not hitting a billion, but that's a smashing success. Sure. Um, it's just I think it's disappointing if you're Disney and you're Marvel, but so what? Um, Jurassic World Dominion. Universal, I'm sure, is happy with at this point. Yeah. Probably doesn't get to a billion again. No. Kind of the same situation with Marvel, but no it one, dro- no, well, no one's well, getting fired over it. Dominion dropped off a lot harder than Doctor Strange did, a lot faster. So yeah, Batman's at 770 as it has been since it came out. Watergate Bridge at 626. Uh, Fantastic Beasts maintaining at uh, 405. And you people have let Robert Winfrey down. You really son. have. <laughs> once again, once again, my fellow humans, you have failed miserably. Sonic the Hedgehog coming in at number seven. Uncharted at number eight. The Bad Guys at number nine. Too Cool to Kill at number 10. Minions currently sitting at uh, number 11. But yeah, it's it's racing towards a billion. Oh. Um, and Morbius that... at currently at 163 million despite its multiple releases. Somehow Lightyear beat Morbius. <laughs> you know what hey, hey sody suck a dick hang on no no, no. Um, here's the here's the real question about Lightyear. i made this joke last week i'm gonna because of the position of everything now this is the serious question does Lightyear beat the lost city Ooh, it's right below it right now if you go back to where we were mm-hmm. like it's, it's right below it i mean maybe all right how close are they I, i'm not on the page i'm on the calendar now i know but they're pretty close Less than a million. Uh, Probably then. I I can give it that much. All right. So this coming uh, Friday is Thor Love and Thunder, currently at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, (laughs) that should scare some people just for the, like, I'm not saying it's not going to be a big hit financially. The, Mm -hmm. the, the seals will be there. Like, yeah. We understand this. Well, I again, people. So pe- people who casually follow movies like the Thor movies, they like Chris Hemsworth. This looks bright and colorful. It it is very much in the wheelhouse of people who don't give a shit about things and are just wanting to be entertained. So yeah, I think that's Taika lo- Waititi in a nutshell. Not giving. Yeah, <laughs> I. <laughs> so I think Love Thor: Love and Thunder is going to do okay. I don't think it makes a billion. It definitely be the number one movie of the weekend. It'll it'll repeat the following weekend. When um, its only other competition is where the crawdads sing, which we'll be reviewing, but yikes! <laughs> There's, I guess they the, people putting movies out that weekend, which is like, eh, it's probably going to be Thor again. So who cares? We'll we'll take our pittance and be done with this. Yeah, just but again, just for the record, if the early no no no, pause a fury, pause a fury as an outside shot. Again, of being, out... of being the number one movie of the weekend. Well, it's going to do better than where the crawdads sing. Well, probably. And again, outside shot. I don't expect it to. I'm not predicting it will, but outside shot. Um, all right. And then the number one movie of the following. Uh, Thor's only Thor's only got a second week, if that, if it doesn't get beat by Pause of Fury. Um, it, by the time it gets to no, for the record, three weeks. The, for the record, this is the only time I will root for a Michael Sarah project to succeed. Um, nope will be the number one movie of its weekend. We are not Pretty... reviewing it because I will not be in town. But if somebody I'm else not... wants to pick that up, fuck, sure. I'm not 
Again, I'm not sure about that. It probably I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I, I have some reservations about yeah. being as definitive as you are. And then July 29th, I think the number one movie of the weekend will end up being DC League of Super Pets. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't, there's nothing else. And that's the end of And that is the end of July. So hey, the first thing in uh, August is an untitled WP event. Ha ha. Weirdly. OK, so well, just just because I have it up here, the, the number one movie of August 5th will end up being Bullet Train. Um, it, I'm rooting for it, but I'm not sure about that. I mean, it's comp. It's most. It's competition is not great. It's. Uh, let me go back a second. I'm trying to get her. My kids want to see this. I'm just trying to make sure there's no boobies in it. Um, the Easter Sunday, which no one's going to go see. Nobody. Yeah, <laughs> not, like, oh no, no. That no. was actually supposed to debut in April. I don't know why they moved Easter Sunday to fucking August. <laughs> like why? I don't know. Yeah, me neither. All right. Well, that is the money. And let us go now to the critical review. Let me go ahead and play the theme before I try to share my screen. Are you ready? No! I said... All right, uh, it is currently fresh with 73% on the critical tomato meter, and the audience score is like, what are you talking about, critics? This is marvelous, with a 91%, with over 2,500 verified ratings. Wow, if a movie was the great unifying factor between those (laughs) who review bomb things because they're mad and casuals who don't give a shit, it's the fucking minions, man. Minions bringing us all together. So hang on, just, just for the record. This means that as of this recording, Minions has a better tomato score than Thor: Love and Thunder. It currently does, yes. It's by it probably two percent. It probably but... it probably won't by the end of it because all the sycophants are going to come in. But mm-hmm. yeah, seventy-one. <laughs> um, here's my here's my thought: Minions three, peace in our time. That's... <laughs> uh, Minions antic shenanigans are beginning to grate despite the sequel's injection of retro chic. Although this loony marathon of gags will still delight young children, uh, it delighted adults too. Don't don't kid del- yeah, like don't don't be de- don't get that mistaken. Plenty of grown people enjoyed mm-hmm. the heck out of this. That said, the kind of bit there about you know we can only see this so much. I think there is, there is truth to that. Mm-hmm. That that needs to be said. There is some truth to that. So it's just me and you, sweetie, which means I'm doing this the way we like it. Doing it, I'm doing it the way we like it, not the way Liz likes it, not the way Amber likes, the way we like it. Is that okay with you? We just we just have a Mark and Robert moment. So anyone watching live, feel free to harass Mark about ignoring your needs. <laughs> You're not the first nor the last talk to my wife. Moving on. Charles <laughs> Charles Solomon of Filmly, KPCC NPR Los Angeles. This is not a story someone was compelled to tell, but something designed to sell lots of minion toys and continue the franchise. Oh, Twenty okay. bucks says this ass hat is just all <laughs> over all the all of the Marvel products. Like those aren't designed to just move merchandise first and foremost. Well, let's see here. Uh oh wow, there was a fruit baskets movie. I have to tell there my daughter was. about that. Let's see. Uh he gave Turning Red a 94. 
I rest my case. <laughs> he gave Sing 2 a 71. He gave Bella 95. For what that's worth. And Canto 91. Uh, my Little Pony, raw, raw, we're an angry mob. 91. No, no, that's the tomato. His rating is on the left. Oh, shit. Okay. Raw, so, raw, an angry mob. Okay, so it, oh wow, he thought it was rotten in Canto. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So right. again, I'm not taking this individual seriously. You work one, you work for an organization that is parasitic more than anything else. Two, you do it out of one of the worst cities in the country. Uh, Sean P. Means of the movie Cricket. What the movie serves up are references to things that were funny in past installments, such as Gru's mom belittling him or Dr. Nefario talking about his love of gadgets. You're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, just straight up. If you think that's where the humor comes from, of this is a prequel. And don't get me wrong, this is a problem with prequels. We've talked about this in the past many times. But uh, you do have to kind of seed these things that ha that pay off later. So, of course, his mother abuses him. We've seen her do that in every other movie that's already been made. Ugh. Yeah. Avi Offer of New York City Movie Guru. Often dull, unfunny, and exhausting while quickly running out of steam. Watch Marcel the Shell with the shoes on, Megamind, or A-Town Called Panic instead. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to annoy people with the following. Megamind is not that good. Okay. I need, I you, know... to, I need you to shut up because oh, I found my friend. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You, you understand what's going to happen. You understand what's going to happen. Hey, Kevin Carr. <laughs> hey, Kevin Carr. A fat guy at the movies. Where are you going? Yeah. What size are those shoes, kid? <laughs> what you got for lunch today, fat guy at the movies? You don't you don't need that lunch money. No. You, you, you got more than a few pounds you can uh, sweat off there. Where are you going, Kevin Carr? You can't run from me, fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> I love the minions, but I'm not sure that I love them for 90 minutes at a stretch. Get them, free. I imagine no one loves them for 90 minutes at a stretch. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, uh, look, I, if TikTok has taught me anything, sex should not last 90 minutes. I'm just saying. Okay, okay that, that was an unfair personal attack. It was an ad hominem. I need to address the specifics of his claim here. You are overly personalizing your experience to the point where I question whether or not you understand the brief of being a critic. Second, I don't know. Did he have a review for the first Minions movie? Oh, I'd have to look. Uh, don't look. No, no, no. I'm just going to tell you what. I. Again, I appreciate the fact that this that you know there's a degree of difference of opinion on this one, but if your response to this is, well, I don't like, and then you can't actually support your position with craft review, you're not really being all that useful. When I said I did not enjoy the Batman, I had reasons. That was not me just spewing into the ether. <laughs> Speaking of wow, 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 Dan Merle of Dan Merle Reviews, also screen junkies. I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't like the minions, but I think they're insufferable, says Dan Murray. Okay, okay, no, no. You, you, so you're doing the thing. You're doing the <laughs> thing here, buddy, right? 
Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but <laughs> if I were invested with supreme executive power. <laughs> yeah. So there's one more line to this that I, you should address. To say they play to the lowest common denominator would be an insult to math. Derheep. One, math deserves to be insulted, you idiot. <laughs> Second, the lowest common denominator is a social construct, not a math construct. It's using mathematical terminology to attack. You know what? How dare you, you white man, use a tool of the patriarchy and the colonizers to <laughs> No, please go on, Professor. I, look, I saw an ar- one of those things that got recorded and passed around the internet. Two people getting into an argument over a fender bender. Mm-hmm. And the, I assume, Southeast Asian gentleman starts yelling at the white woman that you're a colonizer. Or have you seen the have you seen the argument that grammar is a tool of white supremacy? Um, you know, here's the thing: I've actually heard that argument, but it, it's in reference to like SAT tests. No, Speaking no, of- like th- th- there's idiots now going, no, I no, I do not owe you, I do not owe it to you or anyone else to speak coherently or correctly in the language. <laughs> Good cop out. Speaking of cop outs, Jeffrey Harris of 418.com. <laughs> I have seen Jeff's review, so I know what's coming. Yep. There are a few decent laughs, but after a while, the nonstop antics of the minions start to wear thin. Groot trying to prove himself as a supervillain without his minions' help is constantly meandering and never reaches its full potential. I'm not sure I... There's there's degrees to which I agree with that. Again, his larger point here is that, again, it's what we talked about. It's a writing issue. Mm -hmm. There's stuff that just never quite gels the way that it should. I'm not sure that... uh, I'm not sure that I agree with you know, the whole him trying to prove himself. It's not about him trying to prove himself as a supervillain so much as it is the relationship he developed, albeit briefly, with Wild Knuckles. The entire I will say this about the writing. I forgot to mention this, but since it's kind of relevant here, that entire like quasi subplot where he fires the minions is the dumbest thing. Yeah, like there, that serves no purpose. Him being abducted is more than enough. Like we don't need the added pseudo drama of firing the minions here here's why they thought it was needed because he had to learn that he can't do it alone for well again like you can tell that story but the fact that he is alone and stuck with wild knuckles should be more than like there's more than enough opportunity for him to re for this position to be reinforced rather than just you know no you're all fired after i didn't really want you to begin with like "Eh, this doesn't quite doesn't quite play last one glenn kenny of the new york times top critic Red Star. Former newspaper. That's all, folks. Amiable and colorful as it is, the movie is also spectacularly inconsequential. Much like your entire medium. <laughs> Definitely like your entire rag of a newspaper. All right. Uh, yeah, well, folks. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there because I hate this argument that people make when it comes mm-hmm. to criticism. And you see this. Some, like, he's not using the same argument because I think he knows that it doesn't hold water. You know, that does this justify its existence, and I hate those people. Yeah. Calling something inconsequential is a step removed from that, but it's making it's trying to make the same point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it makes it any better. What necess- what determines whether or not something is consequential? And I absolutely mean this. You're like you're throwing this around like there's an understood implied consensus about the meaning of the term as it relates to the medium, and there isn't. There is yeah. not consensus around this. You want to t- you, let me tell you one of the most consequential films 
that was ever made as it pertains to my life, and I can tell you exactly why this is. The movie called Galaxy Quest. <laughs> not, I'm not joking. One best Star Trek movie. No, it's just it's like you have a handful of films you like to go to as if like they are the most beautiful cut of meat you've ever eaten in your life. And you have to keep going back to tell people you've not had meat until you've had this particular cut of steak. And Galaxy Quest is one of them. Well, hang on. It's not a perfect movie. There's other people that disagree with me on that point, but I don't think it's perfect. You don't know why that movie is so consequential. One, it's a quality movie, but two, I could use it to put my brothers to sleep when they were small children and I was babysitting them. <laughs> okay. Worked like a charm every time. Throw them on the couch, turn on Galaxy Quest. About the time everyone gets on the spaceship and Sam Rockwell does his, his improvised scream, they're out and all is well with the world. And I... That is more than enough to give something consequence because it affects something in the real world. Your art house that you believe is profound that no one cares about and will never be seen again, apart from you during some sad late night wank fest, be that metaphorical or literal, I don't know how you get down. That doesn't make something consequential. And I I just dislike the argument. Here's what I'll throw out at you. Whatever you thought of the lobster, it had no cultural impact. It was a thing. It happened. People saw it, maybe, and then it disappeared again. And the fact that I brought it up now, people listening to this review who wanted to hear us talk about Minions are going, what's the lobster? Exactly. And with that, (laughs) is he talking about seafood? I I just hate that argument. Call it slight. Look, look, again, call it slight. We did. It is. All right, um, so we're kicking off our celebration of all things Thor this week. Uh, we re-aired Robert's. Hey, you need you owe me a Hulk show, by the way. Is, are you ever going to get that up or what? Uh, when do it? I thought I did. Did you? I haven't looked. I assume I, I haven't seen it, so I, I don't know what you did. Uh, but it was dub- supposed to be for when She-Hulk comes out. Uh, double check. If not, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. What happened to the rest? I told you get all of them up for next year so I, so I can move them around at will. And oh, you said you were going to do that. My computer started freaking out. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, now that I well now that I've got it slightly more workable, like again, I can do She-Hulk and whatnot. But all right, well we'll let, we'll, we'll we'll work on that. Anyway, um, so we uh, we put up some old pages of some shows here. We uh, we re-aired the very first on trial we ever did was Big Trouble in Little China from John Carpenter starring um, <laughs> Kurt Russell. That was Sean's pick actually, and uh, that's such a great it, movie. It, it, it's a fun show to listen to because Sean and I are just sort of figuring out what on trial is going to be while we're doing the show so it's, it's an interesting listen um i i re-put up the shows for uh, pages for overkill wings of war and Twar hell and then um yesterday on july 4th we re-aired everyone loves a bad guy thor which is pat mullen just gushing about thor's rogues gallery and robert winfrey gently jerking him off um t- tomorrow we spend a fair chunk of time talking about gore the god butcher and how that yeah. y- you know what kills me about that mm-hmm that's a that's a storyline that if you're going to adapt it needs to have a horror bent to it, and instead we're getting whatever bullshit Taika Waititi spewed out. That's <laughs> a Taika Waititi limping to the bond with. Uh, tomorrow night it'll be myself, um, David Wright, Andrew Graham, and Ronnie Adams, or not Andrew Graham as the case may be. I guess we'll find out. Uh, we'll be talking Obi Wan, and I'm going to try to not annoy the shit out of Ronnie Adams. And no, 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 do it. <laughs> and I, I, of, I insist. And speaking of annoying Ronnie, 
Uh, we will be reviewing Ale Storm, seventh rum of a seventh rum uh, Thursday night. Uh, if anyone wondering, hey, hey, don't you normally do Metal Hammer of Doom on Wednesdays? Yeah, but I want to go to a pretty girl's house, and I can't do the Metal Hammer of Doom there. I can only do regular StreamYard stuff, so uh, I switch days. So we're doing Obi-Wan tomorrow, assuming I am going over there, which is a 50-50. Uh, or uh, either way, we're doing Obi-Wan. <laughs> we're doing Obi-Wan regardless of what house I'm recording from. And then we'll do Metal Hammer of Doom on Thursday, where I am home just after I am done with date night on the couch with my wife. And now you know way too much about my personal life. Um, we have nothing going on Friday. Saturday, we have another page for uh, White Snake, Flesh and Blood. Uh, shut up and kiss me, Robert Winfrey. That's what we talked about that day. No. Uh, <laughs> shut up and kiss me, Robert Winfrey. Mwah. Arr. 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 No? All right. Uh, and then we'll I have gave, a... I gave, you, I gave you half. <laughs> um, I give you one minute. Uh, we got another page for Ilaviti uh, at Tagag Metaconia. So um, that's an old show that we did that I read. I just did a page for um, a special Sunday night. Now I cut most of my Sunday shows, but uh, we're going. But I had to squeeze a bunch into the end of July before I go down to two days a week. So this is one of those where I, I could have cut it. It means nothing, but it means something because. I promised Ronnie Adams, and Ronnie Adams is a good boy. So we are doing an ode to TV shows that were turned into terrible movies. Uh, the A-Team, Miami Vice, and Dukes of Hazard. So that'll be fun. I actually watched all of those today. You know, it's a sad thing that he did not select what I would argue was legitimately the best of that genre of film that was a thing in, that was in vogue for a brief section for the early to mid-2000s. And it was? SWAT. Ooh, yeah, I didn't think of it either. He might have he might have suggested it, but I might have shot it down because I hadn't seen it. Um, the aforementioned Halo show will be reviewed on Monday, July 11th, and then we are back here again. It'll be myself, Robert Winfrey, and David Wright, and we are talking Thor, Love and Thunder, and we're going to have to uh, talk Robert off the roof. And then I'm going to a nudist resort. How about that? You want to hear me talk about... Would you like to hear me talk in vascular detail about my uh, experience at the nudist resort? If doing so could get me out of Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> well, you have a choice. Um. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and do your plugs. All right. I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts action over at 411mania.com. Uh, on the professional wrestling side, AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday. And occasionally I pinch hit for other shows and events, depending on the lives of other people who cover other shows. Uh, I did Raw two weeks ago. I occasionally will do Impact. You can just whatever's necessary to fill in. Uh, and sat this last Saturday, I covered on the MMA side of things UFC 276. It was a pretty solid card, top to bottom, and featured a genuinely spectacular performance from Alexander Volkanovsky when he beat Max Holloway. So if you want my round-by-round -round scoring and live, full live coverage, etc., that's over in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. I also host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. So that's my spoken review and analysis and breakdown of the results, a preview of this week's event, news of the week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so this week, you know, all that professional wrestling stuff, Saturday will be UFC on ESPN something... 
Which number are we on? Uh, 39. UFC on ESPN 39. Headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos and Rafael Fiziev. It's a pretty good lightweight fight, actually. So I will be covering that in the MMAZona411mania.com. And that's pretty much it for my plugs. That's where you can find me, all the places, all the things. Next week, I hope Mark and all the others are up to the task, because otherwise, that's going to be an ugly show, wherein I may, in fact, courtesy of my wireless headphones, you will get to hear me throw myself off of the roof. <laughs> if, I do it, I, if I do it, I will podcast all the way down. <laughs> Fuck this movie! My house isn't that far off the ground. I will just break a leg and you can just hear me scream about it. You're going to be like superhuman. <laughs> Fuck this shit and throw yourself off the roof. In all seriousness, we need to do the over we need to do the over 40 parody of that guy. <laughs> I'm going to lift this laundry basket with my back instead of my legs. <laughs> I'm going to play naked volleyball in the pool and pull my calf. What? I'm gonna ta- first serve in true story. I'm gonna take a nap on this couch and wake up with them and mess up my <laughs> neck for a week and a half. <laughs> fuck this aging. All right, uh, fuck this aging is the phrase that pays everybody. For Robert Winfrey, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>